This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, February 14th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Happy birthday to my youngest daughter, Chelsea. Turns 10 today. Jay Book, let's start out with Kerry Combs. We have not talked since Kerry Combs, since news broke that he will be in charge of the defense. Greg Madison will be heavily involved in everything, obviously. I want you to comment on that, just Combs being in charge of the defense. And also... I had a chance to ask Kerry Combs, you know, are you going to be coaching from the field or the box? He said he's going to be coaching from the field, which really probably doesn't surprise anybody given <laughs> how energetic he is. But uh, And I assume that means Greg Madison's going to be in the box, although he, you know, Kerry Combs stopped short of saying that's going to happen. But you would have to think that's the thing. But anyway, just your thoughts, uh, Jonah, on Kerry Combs taking over this defense and Kerry Combs saying he wants to coach the defense from the field, not the box. Yeah, I think it was a given that he was going to be in charge of it. You don't leave uh, a job down in Tennessee to come up here and be second fiddle to the defense. This is Kerry's time to shine. Uh, Ryan Day is going to give him every opportunity uh, to put his stamp on the defense. I know they said it's going to be a collaborative effort, which I truly believe in. But I, uh, as Kerry said, it's going to be his final decision. Um, I, I do find it interesting that he's going to be calling this defense from from the sidelines. The last time we saw that was Greg Schiano. Uh, so fingers crossed that things turn out a whole lot better there. But just having Greg Madison's eyes up in the booth will help carry. Um, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him because this is his, really his first time calling the defense. So with him saying the buck stops with him, He's putting the onus on himself to say, hey, if things go great, then pat on the back. But if things go south with the defense and things aren't living up to the expectations or the standards that were set last year, then a lot of eyes will be on Kerry Combs here. So I I have a lot of respect for him uh, wanting to stay on the field. I think with him having uh, the, the reins of the defense, it's his call to decide where he wants to be at. Uh, so obviously he wants to be able to uh, be engaged with those guys down on the field, which I don't blame him. A lot of guys are, but it's just going to be uh, to be determined to see how it actually shakes out. But I have a lot of confidence that they'll get the job done. Yeah, man. I like my coordinators up in the box, like in that sterile environment where they can just block out all the noise and just focus. But I think, I do think maybe this is just, you know, maybe I'm just talking myself into this. I do feel like Kerry Combs is the, the exception to that rule. Like, I can't even picture him in a, uh, 
in, you know, the press box just up there, just like, you know, almost captured up there, you know, held prisoner right. up there in the press box. You know, but I, I, I do think there is something to it, and I've had – you know, offensive coordinators like Tom Herman tell me they they love it up there when he was an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Jeff Hathley last year, same thing when he was D coordinator. But I do think Kerry Combs might be the exception of the rule, Jay Book. Yeah, and the thing that you have to be very curious about when it comes to Kerry is when he's on the sidelines, he's a wild animal down there. I mean, I remember watching the playoffs uh, with Tennessee Titans, and you saw clips of Kerry Combs absolutely losing his mind on the sidelines. When you're actually calling the defense, you're going to have to be able to dial that back and be able to focus on your, the, what's what's happening and being able to get the defensive calls in and get them set. I really love his energy and his enthusiasm. I'm just I'm just willing. I can't wait to see the show. How is he going to be able to uh, handle his emotions on the field while also trying to get the plays in? and get the defense ready to go, especially in today's game when a lot of offenses are going tempo. So Kerry's going to be able to have to uh, compartmentalize what's going on and not let his emotions get the best of him because that's a that's a true thing and character that a lot of people love about him is his passion and how fired up he gets. And he can do that. Nobody's going to tell him he has to be a robot, but he also has to be able to – focus and dial in and get the defense ready to go. Sean Wade is, of course, coming back as a fourth-year junior. He he could have easily left and been a second-round, third-round pick. He's coming back to be a first-round pick and maybe a very high first-round pick. Kerry Combs said it, quote, means the world that Sean Wade's coming back. You know, Cam Brown, Seven Banks, I think, are going to be, you know, the other, you know, the top two and three corners. Okay, here here's – so, yeah, we got Wade – we got, you know, uh, Seven Banks, Cam Brown. Let's take them out of the mix. I want you to pick one guy you think is going to be kind of the breakout guy of the rest of the corners. So Marcus Williamson, Tyreek Johnson, and then the true freshman, Legend Convasos, Ryan Watts, or maybe somebody else. Who do you think is going to be the breakout corner of those guys? I think the obvious name here is Tyreek Johnson, and I'm – all in with him having a breakout season. I know it was in the boarding house earlier this week that um, he's really up this game, his preparation, his focus, he's taking it serious. And that kind of reiterates what Randy Wade, Sean Wade's father, had told me a couple of weeks ago, uh, just kind of giving me a story on Tyreek just saying that Tyreek is now starting to understand that it's his time to shine. When you're kind of those younger guys and you're not playing a whole lot, you're not always 100% focused and dialed in and 100% brought into the program uh, because they they understand, like, hey, I'm going to get some snaps on special teams, but I'm not going to be playing uh, a lot of meaningful snaps on the position. But the main thing for Tyreek is staying healthy. Um, I know that he's battled some injuries. He's All indications are he's healthy, he's ready to go. So I think he's going to have a monster, monster season. We need him. He has to have a good season. With the thin numbers back there, they're going to really need him to step up and play because if you're relying on some true freshman guys to play meaningful snaps and play big-time football, especially where Ohio State wants to go, which is the back to the playoffs and potentially contending for the national championship. Obviously, you, you the freshman can do it. If you look at uh, Stingley from LSU, he, that's an exception to the rule. He's a remarkable potential top 10 uh, NFL draft pick in a couple years. But overall, 
you want to have some guys with a little bit of uh, experience that been on the field and been able to handle the pressure as your top guys. And if the freshmen are good enough to provide some depth, then uh, that's just a little bit of cherry on top. But I think Tyree Johnson has to have a huge spring. He has to stay healthy, and I think he will. And all indications are from inside the program and, and guys that are familiar with him outside the program is he's ready to have a monster breakout year. Jonah, it's looking really good for Ohio State to land that number one defensive tackle recruit in the country, JT Tuamaloa, from the state of Washington, same high school as G. Scott. Our own Bill Green has put in a crystal ball for the Buckeyes to land. JT, I mean, my gosh, there you have Mike Hall, who, you know, I think is, I mean, he's rated pretty high. He's a top, like, kid, almost a top 100 recruit in the country, top 150 recruit in the country, and I think he's underrated. And if they if they land JT to Amaloa, the number one D tackle in the country, my goodness, would that be huge for the Buckeyes. Again, same high school as G. Scott Jr. So um, just your thoughts on that situation. My goodness, if they land this kid, uh, as Dwayne Long would like to say, that's naked jump worthy down <laughs> that neighborhood because that is a, a big-time boom. Uh, just getting Gee Scott out of the Pacific Northwest was a huge get. And if you can turn around and parlay that into uh, a top-five national player, five-star defensive tackle, a position of need, um, that is monster. That is monster. That is tremendous. And then you pair him with the defensive line guys that are coming in, and then they're looking pretty good with uh, the IMG five-star defensive end. And then you look at what what's already in the fold. It could be a tremendous defensive line haul. Um, anytime Bill Green puts in a crystal ball, it will make people sit up because he's not just going to be throwing around willy-dilly crystal ball picks just for fun. If his intel is telling him that uh, this is something that is worthy of putting a, a pick in, then it's going to open up some eyes nationally, not just in Ohio. National guys are going to take notice to that. And it will send a, a loud message to everyone if Ohio State's able to pluck him out of the Pacific Northwest. Because if you look at some of the rankings over the last couple of classes, there's been a lot of talent coming out of that area. And it would be really, really nice if Ohio State can build a pipeline into that area, starting with Gee Scott Jr. Yeah, whoever thought the you know the Pacific Northwest would would become a pipeline for the Buckeyes? My goodness gracious! Talk about recruiting nationally. I love it. Um, speaking of the D line, Larry Johnson. Um, you know, a lot of people think every every year it's like, is this going to be his last year? From everything I'm hearing, he's very happy, and he loves working for Ryan Day. You know, and um, I you know I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, he's not going to be coaching for another ten years. But you know, which if you know, what's your guess on this? I mean, he's telling recruits he's going to be around for a while. I mean, how long do you think you know the best, in my opinion, D line coach in the country is going to be around, Larry Johnson? I think you can see uh, Larry around another three to four years, as long as he's healthy, he's happy, he's into it. He's a legend in his own right. Um, obviously, the the recruiting prowess of him is well-documented. So just having him happy, um, especially coaching under Ryan Day, and as you mentioned, all indications are is he really enjoys working with coaches. I have yet to hear anybody say neg something negative about Ryan Day. Everyone that rubs elbows with him 
always ha- comes away feeling really good about who he is and uh, and the guys that are working for him really enjoy just working for him and players just playing for him. So that just kind of tells you what type of coach and what type of man and what type of leader Ryan Day is. But as far as Larry Johnson, I could see him for another three to four years. As long as he's having a good time, that's the most important thing there, and he's not being burnt out. And the thing that you really have to like about Ohio State and as far as Larry Johnson, they just kind of let him go about his business, let him do his thing. Uh, he'll recruit his region, his area. He's really not hitting the pavement as hard as he used to as far as the recruiting trail when he was at Penn State, but he does enough and he's still good at recruiting that he can still land those top-tier guys. But the most important thing to, about Larry Johnson is he's developing guys at a, at a monstrous pace. I mean, look at all the defensive ends he's pumping into the NFL that are coming in technically sound and ready to perform at a high level. The Bosa brothers come to mind. Chase Young's probably going to be the number two pick in the draft. And then you look at some of the the – um, the other guys coming from him, they're performing at an exceptionally high level in the NFL, making rosters and getting huge paydays. So his resume speaks for itself. The, the younger kids still can relate with him. And, and the thing about Larry Johnson is you can go over there and Larry Johnson to be jamming out to some earth, wind, and fire, some old school music, but at the same time he's able to relate to a kid who was born in uh, 2003. So that tells you what type of man he is, <laughs> that he's able to, you know, really enjoy himself, stay to his roots, but still have enough swagger and enough confidence in himself that he can relate to this younger generation of, of recruits coming up. That's good stuff. Uh, hey, to, hey, to uh, finish the show here, um, last thing, let's move away from Ohio State for a second. Mel Tucker to Michigan State. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that's a good hire? and? and Dude, they are just backing up the Brinks truck for him. Five point five million per season for six seasons. I mean, thirty-two point five million for Mel Tucker. Good for him. Former Buckeye assistant was on Jim Trestle's first staff. Was on the national championship, you know, staff for Ohio State in two thousand and two. He was a Buckeye from two thousand and one through, uh, you know, two thousand and four. Um, just your thoughts on Mel Tucker taking that job, the amount he's getting paid, and do you think that'll work? I'm, he's walking into a situation where he, the deck is going to be stacked against him because the Big Ten East is arguably the best conference in college football. And the thing that he has going against him is Michigan State program and culture is hot garbage right now. So he's going to need the ultimate support, not only from the administration, as well as everybody in the community and fan base, they all need to be swimming in the same direction. And that's part of the problem uh, with them. But they're showing that they're willing to play big ball with the money that they're giving him. If I'm Mel Tucker, the first priority will be will be uh, going after Vince Merrill down at Kentucky because that's the guy that single-handedly destroyed Michigan State's program from the inside out when it comes to recruiting. Because if you look at early on when Michigan State were making those Rose Bowls and they were Big Ten title contenders, the heart of that football program was on the backs of Ohio high school football. They were poaching the guys that Ohio State didn't want. And they fell off the map once Vince Merrill got to Kentucky. If you look at Kentucky's roster, Vince has brought in, you know, 40-plus guys 
since he's been there. Their current roster has about 25, 26 kids from Ohio. And Kentucky has been competitive. Obviously, they're always going to have a leg down in the SEC. But if you look at the Ohio kids that would normally go to Michigan State, they've been going to Kentucky. So if I'm Michigan State, I'm going to get him, and I'm going to put him in charge of uh, the defense, defensive line, head recruiting coordinator. But I need someone who's going to be able to get back into Ohio and tap those kids who Ohio State has passed on. Uh, but as far as Mel Tucker, it's to be determined because the guy only won five games in Colorado, and he's being paid as a premier coach. So Michigan State, they, they were desperate. Uh, they were getting absolutely roasted in the media. Their own fan base was going after their board of trustees. It was an absolute shit show, but at the end of the day, you know, some people will applaud the hire and think that Mel Tucker is a, is a is a great fit. I know Nick Saban came out and was vouching for him, but you have to win football games. And he's walking into the Big Ten East, which is going to be stacked up, and he has a terrible roster. Uh, it's going to take him several years to get it back to being competitive as far as playing on the high level for Big Ten championships because D'Antonio left that program uh, in a pretty bad shape, especially when it comes to the talent. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. And as my birthday girl Chelsea likes to say, Michigan Sting! MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.